Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. While you're standing, let's just lift our hands. Father, we thank you for this day. We thank you that you said where two or three are gathered in your name, you are in the midst. Father, we thank you. We praise you. The presence of the Lord was there to heal them all. We thank you that Jehovah, the God that healeth thee, is here right now. And we thank you for your manifestation of your presence, Father, in the terms of healing, wholeness to our bodies, soundness of mind. We thank you, Jesus, that you paid it in full, so we choose today to live in the fullness of what you paid for. Father, we're not going to live beneath our benefits. We believe we receive today, for today is the day of salvation. That's not just being born again. That's being set free, safety, deliverance, protection. We receive the fullness of what you did because you paid it in full. In Jesus' name, everybody said amen. amen. Praise the Lord. I, you always can tell a good Kentuckian, amen? Hallelujah. Now, I want to do something. If you know this, don't give it away. How do you pronounce the capital of Kentucky, Louisville or Louisville? No, it's Frankfurt. Amen. <laughs> uh, don't forget baptismal. Amen. No, it, it was just up, left up here. So I appreciate this opportunity. And uh, I, I, I really enjoy ministering on healing because the more that I get into it and the more that I do, the more I find out, the less I know about it. And the more the goodness of God. I mean, think about it. He said, you know, um, now bear with me. I wrote some things down that, that I've never really preached before. And there's some things. That's why I kind of got my, I've been trying to minister different. I don't want to get in a routine or a rut or, or different things. I want to be on the cutting edge. I want to be fresh. How many knows you can have a recipe for bread 50 years old, but the key is to bake it fresh. Amen. So uh, one thing I want to share with you, if you got your Bibles, we're going to, I'll give you a couple of scriptures you can go to. Go to Proverbs chapter 4, verses 18 through 23, and then we're going to go ahead and skip down to uh, probably Romans chapter 12, but I'm going to mingle a little bit. But I want to talk about a hindrance to uh, healing. How many knows that, uh, and I'm going to say this, this has come to me three times already, and I'm not trying to quote B, whatever, but you know, one thing about healing is this. Fear hits people so hard. And uh, when I minister and travel, a lot of people are in what they call submission or, or they're in, uh, they, they, they have not had any symptoms in two years. I forgot the proper word for that. Remission. Remission. Uh, for so long and all this. But then, you know, for insurance sakes or liability sakes or malpractice sakes, people are said, well, you know what, we just want to let you know that you know, there, there's a chance that this could come back or all this. Well, I got a scripture for you, and I'm telling you, it works. Nahum 1.9, it says, This affliction shall not rise upon you a second time. This affliction shall not rise upon you a second time. So, now I preach fast, so you'll have to listen a little bit fast. So, I want to minister on some things here today, and please know where I come from. Uh, I'm one of the guys, uh, when I say one of the guys, i uh, I just realized what Jesus did is a complete work. It is finished. Uh, we don't fight for victory. We fight from a place of victory. Amen. We're not trying to get what we already got. And we're sure not trying to become somebody we already are. Amen. I'm not the sick trying to get healed. I'm the healed resisting sickness. I'm not the poor trying to get rich. I'm the rich resisting poverty. So I'm, I'm fighting from a situation of victory. But the thing is, is how many knows if you have... 
uh, I don't know, Country Time Lemonade in a big can and you got a bunch of water over here, how many knows that you got to apply it? It's a proper application to mix it to syrup. John chapter 2, he says, whatever, Mary said, whatever he says to you, just do it. See, I'm not into the person where you got to do something to get something. See, I don't give money to get. I give it because I believe Jesus already blessed me. I'm not living off the reaction. I'm living off the action. I'm responding to what he has already done. So I'm not giving God something to get it. I believe he's already gave it to me. He's been made poor that I might be rich. So why am I giving him something even though he doesn't need it? Well, I'm giving it out of act of obedience. Amen? I don't go and confess the word to get it to happen. I believe, therefore I speak. So I'm operating from a different standpoint. I'm not confessing it a hundred times did it to happen. Now my faith is in how many times I say the word instead of having faith in the word. So I'm not reacting, I'm responding because I now believe. My eyes of my heart have been enlightened. I have revelation that produces proclamation that causes demonstrations and manifestations. Are you, are you seeing what I'm saying? So he come to give us life and it, that we might have it more abundantly. His yoke is easy. His burden is light. So when we, I don't know about you, but I was thinking about this this week. My dad used to put swing sets together. And how many knows the swing set was already purchased? There was nothing I had to do to earn it. But we had to have properly, how many knows some assembly required? Amen? You, you, I mean, you can't just go out and, and do certain things to your body and then turn around and expect healing to come when it's contradictive to what is right here in the manual or the owner's manual, amen? So I want you to know this up, up first of hand. You don't have to earn your healing. It's already complete, amen? You, you don't have to live a perfect life. When I hear people say perfect life, so are you living a perfect life? I said, I'm getting close. And they said, what do you mean? I said, well, it means mature. I'm growing in my faith. I'm, uh, I'm growing in the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm starting to overcome evil by doing good in the sense that the word is light. Light exposes darkness. The definition of darkness is the absence of light. So I can't believe past what I don't know. That's why it's important. Faith begins where the will of God is known. So there's some things I have to do on my behalf to apply what he's already given me and provided me. So my dad would get the tools out, put the swing set together, and then I would either join the benefits of what my father put together but my heavenly father provided. Are you seeing what I'm saying? So we're quit, quit trying to be the co-pilot. Amen? God knows your future better than you know your past. So we, we've got to get in and allow Jesus to do this. So let me say this. Salvation's already been provided. There's a lot of things with salvation. One of them is healing. And uh, one thing I've learned is application is the believing and the receiving. I believe, therefore, I speak. I'm, I, again, I'm not doing this to earn it. I'm doing it as a response of what I know he's already done for me. So therefore, I am complying. He said, how can two walk together unless they agree? So I'm not putting this burden upon me because it's his burden. His yoke is easy. His burden is light. I'm not trying to make it happen. I'm just letting it happen. Why? Because he said, how can two walk together unless they agree? So I got to think, believe, and speak just like he does in the sense that when I'm in harmony, Brother Hagin said this. He said, um, when you get your thinking, believing, and speaking synchronized, he used that word synchronized. It actually means in harmony, you unison. He says, you'll start living in the fullness of the things of God. 
Now, I want to share this with you. I wasn't going to share this, but I thought about it. You know, I was born again April 28, 1974, but technically I was born again 2,000 years ago up on the cross. What happened was in that little first Christian church in Russell, Kentucky, actually had 500 people. I think everybody from the county and the next county came over, amen? We, we, we got in there. I was in the balcony. I went down in front of 500 people as almost a 12-year-old child. But what happened was I did not get born again April 28, 1974. What I did was I heard the word. I believed it and I confessed it according to Romans chapter 10, verse 9 and 10. I did the application. But what happened was my salvation was provided for 2,000 years ago. So what happened April 28, 1974? Same thing that can happen in what is today, July 30th? July 24th? Wow, I'm a week ahead, amen? (laughs) July 24th, 2000, what is it, 22? I'm sorry, I travel so much, I'm trying to remember. But the thing is, is what, what you received today was already provided for. What happened to me was I heard, I believed, because it says it right there in Romans 10, 14, how can they hear unless a preacher be sent? Romans 10, 17 says, faith cometh by hearing, hearing by the word of God. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. So therefore, when I confess what I believed, I appropriated what was already provided for me. In other words, I obtained what was already paid in full. And so what happened on April 28, 1974 was I started living in the benefits of something that was provided for 2,000 years ago. You see what I'm saying? All I did was I utilized or activated what was actually accessible to me the entire time. So I'm not trying to get what I've already got. I'm not trying to become somebody I am. Are y'all getting any of this? Amen. So if you got your Bibles, go over here to Proverbs chapter 4, verse 18 through 23. But the path of the just is a shining light that shineth more and more into that perfect day. The way of the wicked is as darkness, and they know not at what they stumble. Now, I ran across something the other day, and I don't mean to take up a little bit extra time, but it was interesting. They said darkness really does not have a definition per se in the sense because it has no substance or something. I'm trying to remember how exactly it said. So therefore, we have to describe it from something that's in light, opposite, which actually has substance. So they call darkness the absence of light. Is that interesting? So, you know, a lot of times people are receiving. All you got to do is ask. If you want to find, you got to seek. See, it's not getting caught up in a bunch of do's and don'ts. All you're doing is reacting, I mean, responding to what Jesus said. Amen? Okay, watch this. Till the, the, the way of the wicked is darkness, they know not at what they stumble. My son, attend to my words, incline thy ears unto my sayings. Let them not depart from thy eyes, but keep them in the midst of your heart. Keep them in the midst of your what? Heart. Keep them in the midst of your heart. Why? Because out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Life and death is in the power of the tongue. Now watch this. They are life unto those who find them. And what? Health to all, all, all. Did you hear that? All their flesh. That's emotional everything. And it says, keep your heart with all diligence, for out of it are the wellsprings or the issues of life. Amen. Now, go down to uh, Romans chapter 12 real quick. Romans chapter 12. Uh, One translation of verse 23 there says, guard your heart above all else, for it determines the course of your life. 
How many knows a decision determines a direction, but a direction establishes a destiny? You, you can die sick, broke, poor, everything, and not have any of the benefits that Jesus already provided for and paid in full, and you would still go to heaven. Not a bad deal. Amen? But you can be the richest person on earth, most healthiest person, if you die without Jesus. Are you all seeing the benefit here? Okay, now let's go over here to Romans chapter 12. Uh, I'll tell you what, I might, I might go a different route. No, let's just go to Romans chapter 12 here. You're all so easy to preach to. Trust me, I've been places. People got that dare you to bless me look. I beseech you, therefore, brethren. In other words, I beg you by the mercies of God that you present your neighbor's body. No, your body. Amen? A living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. One place says your spiritual worship. Aren't you glad you just showed up? Even if you didn't raise your hands today and open your mouth during praise and worship, you still presented your body as a living sacrifice, which is your reasonable and spiritual worship. Amen? Now, we would hope you would sing, you know. If, if you can't sing, then sing real low. Amen? <laughs> verse 2. Now, verse 2. Be not, now notice this, be not conformed to this, what? World, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is the good and acceptable and the perfect will of God. For I say through the grace given to me to every man that is among you not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think. Now notice he didn't say don't think no more lowly of yourself than you ought to think. As long as I'm thinking exactly what God thinks and what I believe what God believes and says what God says, then I'm going to have what God has. Not that I'm trying to get it, it's that I'm going to live in the manifestation of it and some people call it days of heaven upon earth. Amen? You can live in the fullness of what he paid for. Now I want to show you something here. Last part of verse 3. But to think soberly according as who? God has dealt to every man or woman, watch this, the measure of faith. Now, when I was reading this, I was going through this a little bit. And let me make sure I look at my notes because I don't want to do it. How many knows we were given the measure of what? Faith when we were born again. Now, I got a friend of mine that can bitch press about 565 pounds. When he started, it was less than 100. But those weights didn't make him stronger no more than trials and tribulations make you stronger. I can take those weights off of him. And what he did was he is now suffocating. His sternum is probably being pressured beyond measure. But those were the very weights that, quote, made him stronger. But now they're killing him. What he learned was a technique called resistance. See, we're in this world, but we're not of it. You know, when, when you swim, there's a resistance that takes place. You, did you notice that? So anytime you're not walking in the momentum or the flow of God and you turn and go a different direction, you're technically resisting the things that God has already for you. It's not that you have to be perfect. It's not that God's bringing you anything else. But here's where I'm leading all the way up to this point. He's given you the measure of faith, but notice that he never said this. He never gave you the measure of shame. He never gave you the measure of guilt. He never gave you the measure of condemnation. And here's what I want to talk on today about the hindrance. He never gave you the measure of unforgiveness, offense, bitterness. Are you all hear what I'm saying? I found out the little foxes is what spoil the vineyard of our love. That word spoil means to wind tightly like a rope. 
There's times in our lives, sometimes we feel like we're alone in a crowd when we're praising and worshiping the Lord, or sometimes we were wondering why we don't feel like we used to when we did. Well, first of all, unforgiveness is not an emotion. See, we walk by faith and not by sight. See, we got to believe in our heart regardless of what our soul tries to tell us. And a lot of times we live a reactatory life out of our emotions instead of responding from our heart, which God looks upon, and we can actually activate the promises of God that have already been provided, especially health and healing to all your flesh. Amen? So let's get into this a little bit more. Amen. So um, I want you to notice this. this the Song of Solomon said... Um, Take up the little foxes that will spoil the vineyard of our love. That word spoil means to wind tightly like a rope. In other words, what he's the vine, you're the branch. A lot of times people say, well, I'm burned out. I don't feel anything anymore. Well, first of all, we don't go by that. But what the devil does is the devil will try to come in and bring hindrances to this. You know, lack of faith. Uh, whatever you want to list in there. Lack of knowledge because you can't believe past what you don't know. But the, one of the biggest ones that I've noticed is unforgiveness. Now, the reason I'm talking about unforgiveness is this. Unforgiveness is actually a degree of unbelief. And when you forgive someone, it's not saying what they did was okay. But unforgiveness is still drinking poison and hoping the other person dies. In other words, unforgiveness starts with devaluing a person. So we got to watch it because what happens is if the devil can't get you out of faith, he'll neutralize your faith by what? Spoiling it, winding it tightly like a rope. How many knows when you turn the water hose on and, and the hose is bent or cranked up or whatever, nothing's coming out? Are you all hearing what I'm saying? And then all of a sudden we say, well, I've tried the word for three years. Well, first of all, you don't try the word. You believe it and you can continue in it. But when you get in the Word and you start believing it, a lot of people start doubting themselves, and that's what the devil does, get you back into your reasoning. All the promises of God are yea and amen. All you have to do is lean to the spirit of truth, which is we call the Holy Spirit inside of you. I call him God's positioning system. That's our God's, God, the godly GPS that we have. He will reroute you, recalculate you. He will show you what to do. He'll never bring condemnation, shame, or guilt upon your life when you make a mistake. He knows that we grow in faith just like my friend did. He learned to resist certain things and yield to certain things. And what it did was it made him physically strong. But what happens is it takes that measure of faith that started out as a measure and grows it to where you become strong in faith. Amen? Because you can believe God for anything that he has because he said, always be it unto you according to your faith. So he's saying, listen, I'll give you over and above all that you dare ask or think beyond your highest prayers, thoughts, or dreams, but it's according to your faith. So people say, well, I, I, it's too much pressure on me. I can't live under that. No, 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 no. You work your salvation out. You walk. Listen, I'm running my race in my lane with my hands on my plow, pressing towards my expected end. If you need help, I'll stop and come over and help you. When you run a marathon, everybody sometimes runs with each other for three or four or five, six, seven miles. Then some people might find another group later down. But when you get the last five miles, brother, you're running your lane. Are you all hear what I'm saying? So don't compare yourself with somebody else's faith wall, whether they get healed or not. 
You know, there, one thing about me is I had a lot of sickness and disease and different things in my body. They said 20 years you'll be on liver transplant list. I don't go in there and deny it. I just tell them what my mountain's called. I go back and I speak to it. But one thing I learned was this, is when I get in faith, it says in Mark eleven twenty two, and Jesus answered and said to them, have faith in God. If I can encourage anybody today to really increase and knowing how much God loves you and what he actually did for you is get to know him on a personal relationship. I guarantee you, your pastors would not let their boys go if, if they were like two and three years old and they had an emergency and left. They would not just pick any random neighbor down the street and say, can you watch our kids for about four hours? No, they would go to somebody that, whom they know and they trust. Amen. So when you know in whom you have believed, Paul said, I now know in whom I have believed. So he believed God to the place to where he was not, he realized he was in Christ instead of out of Christ. He realized it, it was in him that he lived and moved and had his being. Even John says, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, we are the same. Why? Because the greater one lives inside of you. Why? Because it's in him that you live and move and have your being. Corinthians says, who is joined with God is one spirit. So don't let the devil ever try to get you out of Christ. Always realize you're in Christ regardless of what you believe or feel or think. Amen? That's the truth. You might have sickness in your body. That's a fact. But the truth is, by his stripes, you are healed. Amen? So I've learned not to live with anything that Christ died to. Let me give you this, verse 23. For verily I say unto you that whoever shall say unto this mountain, be thou removed and be thou cast in the sea. Now I always wondered why he mentioned sea here in Luke 17. He mentioned sea and a couple other places he mentioned sea. You want me to tell you why I believe he did it? Because that's, is, I, I mean, I actually read commentaries on it. They said the sea is usually a place where things grown in natural surroundings cannot ever reroot again. So he says, you got to say into this, you know, mountain or this offense, this hurt, this bitterness. And say, no, you're not going to be in my life anymore. You're going to go to a place out of my life to where it won't hinder my faith and walk with God. And this is not going to be a hindrance to me receiving the fullness of what he paid for. Amen. Amen. He's given you all things that pertain unto life and godliness. We'll get to that in a minute. He said in verse 24, for I say through the things... Uh, well, it says, and thou shalt not doubt in his heart, but believe that those things which he saith shall come to pass. He shall have whatsoever he saith. Therefore, I say unto you, whatsoever things you desire when you pray, believe that you receive them and you shall have them. Now, I don't know about you, but I grew up in a time, and I, I know you did too. I, I bet you we watched the same channels. We had Saturday morning cartoons. They'll have 168 hours in a week, but there was a five-hour window on Saturday mornings. If you slept in, guess what? You missed all the cartoons. There is no going back, recording it, looking for the cartoon channel or the whatever network. Amen? You missed it. H.R. Puff and stuff, Bullwinkle and Rocky, Adam, Ant. Come on now, my favorite, the monkeys, here we come. But there was one that I really enjoyed, and it's helped me in my preaching quite a bit, and it's called Conjunction Junction. See, the young kids are going, I got to Google this right now. Conjunction Junction. Conjunction Junction. It had a caboose, it had an engine, but they had a word called and. I always remember it. And means you can't have one without the other. One thing I was doing was I realized I was preaching one part 
of the caboose, but I was never preaching the engine with certain things in the Bible so we can actually get into the place. How many knows a lot of times we, it's like, God, God, I think you should have done this. How many knows God doesn't want our opinion? He just wants our willingness and our obedience. Amen? I mean, if he wanted, you know, really, if he wanted our opinion, he would have created a man probably earlier than the sixth day. He wants a relationship with you, but when it comes to his word, it's final. Amen? So, you know, I like peanut butter growing up. You know, I, none of this chunky stuff, amen? I like the smooth stuff. If I had three loaves of bread and two, about three jars of peanut butter, how many knows I could make a really nice big peanut butter sandwich, but it would never be a peanut butter and conjunction junction jelly sandwich. I found out that I, I had some really nice peanut butter sandwiches all through my ministry, my life, and learned a lot about stuff, but I never applied the conjunction junction to add the jelly to it so I could enjoy the full sandwich of what it was intended to do. Look at verse 25. What's the first word? Every time I see Ann, you know what I think? Conjunction junction. Because I'm about ready to add the peanut butter to the jelly. So I already told you what the peanut butter is in verse 23 to 24. In 25, I mean 24, look at 25. Here's the jelly. And when you stand praying, in other words, before you clean off that uh, knife with the peanut butter on it, just bring it over here and put it in the jelly thing. When you stand praying, what does he say? Forgive, and if you have ought against any, any, that your Father also in heaven may forgive you your trespasses. But if you do not forgive your forgive, neither will your Father which is in heaven forgive your trespasses. Well, I looked up this word ought because I don't know certain words in trust. You know, I was like ought, ought. I ought not have any ought in my life. So there's, there has to be something in the Bible that represents ought remover or ought spray to get these oughts out of my life. Amen? So I looked it up. If you have ought, that means you're angry. You have a grudge. Somebody's wronged you. You, you hold something against somebody. Well, God's not giving you the measure of unforgiveness or anger. He never gave you the measure of holding anything back. He gave you the measure of faith to overcome these things by his grace. Everything you get by God is by God's grace through your faith. By his ability through your confidence and trust in his ability. You couldn't even do it. It's not of works lest any man should boast. But the moment you get born again by his grace and ability through your confidence and trust in that ability, now he qualifies you as a workmanship in Christ Jesus where you can go out and be ordained to lay hands on the sick. You can cast out devils. You can call those things which be not all that. Why? Because that grace that you couldn't get saved by, you can't get saved by your grace. You have non-sufficient funds. But if you have confidence and trust in that grace, then you know it's not of works. But what happens is this, that grace, the moment you get born again, empowers you to do everything he's asked you to do in this life. That's why his yoke is easy and his burden is light. You're not doing it to earn it. You're not trying to get it and grab it like the carrot in front of somebody. He's given you a way to do it smarter, not harder. He said, I've already provided everything. All I want you to do is become partakers instead of spectators. Amen? So let, let's go on here. Are y'all getting anything out of this today? <laughs> Kenneth Hagin in his book, The Love, The Way to Victory, said this, I know from experience of more than 50 years of ministry and talking with many thousands of people through the years on a one-on-one -on -one basis that unforgiveness is the main reason why people faith doesn't work. 
And unforgiveness is the main reason why people fail to receive their healing. So I started studying this, and the more I got into it, I realized that every time that Christ or God forgave you of your sins, he turns around and says, you know what? I'm going to heal your body, heal you too. Psalms 103.3 is a good example. He said, who forgiveth every one of your iniquities, who healeth each of your diseases. Amen? So, Hebrew, uh, let, let's go on here. Let's see here. I'm trying to see where to go here. Turn over to Luke uh, 17 real quick. I, I want to show you some things we think we have a faith problem. You know what? If you had faith, real little faith, that's all you need. Now, you, uh, you should have strong faith. Be solid in that faith. Amen? Turn over to, uh, I'll tell you what. I might go a different way. I'm trying to, you know, I've asked the Lord to interrupt my services, and I think he's doing it right now. Well, let me just read this real quick. Turn over to Luke, Mark, Luke, uh, John. Mark, Luke. Here we go. Look at the first six verses. Then said, he, then said Jesus unto his disciples, It is impossible that offenses will come, but woe unto whom and through whom they may come. In other words, don't be part of somebody else's situation. Be part of the solution. Every time the devil, you notice the first time that the devil took uh, Jesus up on the high mountain, showed him all the different things and tempted him and did all this and all that. Now, how many knows the devil has dealt with Jesus before? He was in heaven. He knew, it, he knew the deity. He knew Jesus, the son of God, as deity. He knew it went beyond another fact. He knew he, he, well, he had no clue until John the Baptist said, Behold the Lamb of God, and God says, This is my beloved Son in whom I'm well pleased. So the devil thought, Okay, here he is. This is from Genesis 1. So he watched him, took him up on the high mountain. He knew he was fasting 40 days. He's tempted all this. And guess what happened? He started talking to him, and Jesus said what? How many knows Jesus is the Word made what? Flesh. And the first three words out of the Word of God's mouth was what? It is written. What happened was that was the first time to my knowledge, I could be, I'll stand to be corrected, that when he said, it is written, it hit the devil so hard because he never heard it that way before. Not the words, but heard it from Jesus because he responded again. He said, boom, it is written. Boom, it is written. And it says the devil left him for a more opportune time. Why? Because that was the first time to my knowledge that Jesus never spoke to him as deity. He spoke to him as a man of God using the word of God. And the greater one lives inside of you. When you open your mouth in faith, you don't have to back up what it says. God needs your voice. Your voice is your address in the spirit. I found this out when I had my liver situation and all these different things that my tongue controlled my body. So I would just go around speaking and say, liver, I don't know where you're at, but you're functioning in the perfection to which God created it. I forbid any malfunction in my body. Jesus died to it, I don't have to live with it. He, he went to hell, I don't have to go there either. So I thank you that the healing power of God's working in my body now to make me healthy. I wasn't saying it to get it. I was saying it because I believe I already had it and this was just an expression of my heart telling the devil, look what I believe. Because I knew if I didn't speak, I lost by, by default. The only thing that will touch the spiritual and the natural realms at the same times is the words of your mouth. So you got to pray and touch it. So Mary said to the servants, whatever he says to you, do it. That's where God puts the super upon your natural. 
You just, listen, God's not looking for your ability as much as your availability. Listen, I was sitting there one day in my office and I thought, dear Lord, I just ate dinner with some people and a seat happened to be there. I wasn't trying to sit around and brown nose and get to know people and drop names and do this. I was hungry. There was a seat. I sat down. I ate. My dad was fairly well known growing up, so I got kind of got used to it on that side of the table. But I just sat down and I ate. And I started listening to these guys talk while I was eating. I thought, my Lord, these guys are changing the world. This guy knows a guy that knows the Greek better than I know English. I was. I, was, I went back to my house, sat, sat, sat down in my office, and I said, Lord, I, I told you I don't want to take somebody else's place, and I don't want to just preach the pay bills. I, I just feel like I'm so... Un How many knows the devil will let your whining and your pity party go on until you're done? And he said, this is all he said to me, and I'll remember it word for word. I believe he said this to me. He said, I'm not interested in your ability as much as your availability. You may not be the best at doing something, but that should never hold you back from giving your best to do it. All he's wanting you to do is show up, not perform. He said, all I need to do is I need to make sure that you got the word of God in your mouth like I have it in my mouth. I need you to be imitators of me. I need you to walk with me. I need you to talk with me, believe with me, speak with me. I want you to have, I want you to have the fullness of what I paid for upon this earth. Again, I'm not saying that you have to confess it to get it. You confess it because it's an expression of what you believe. Amen? So I just found out God saying, listen, I'm not looking at all your abilities and whether you're qualified. If you're born again, you're in me. You have the mind of Christ. You, ha you have the, everything that you need. So try, quit trying to get what you've got and quit trying to become somebody you already are. Then he said it this. He's, let's go down to verse 3. Take heed unto yourself, because if thy brother trespass against thee, rebuke him. If he repents, forgive him. Go step, let's go down to verse uh, uh, 5. And the apostle said unto him, Lord, increase our faith. It was not a faith issue. Because he said, if you have faith as a, a, a sycamore, sycamore tree, it depends where you grew up, um, be thou plucked up, be thou planted in the sea, it shall obey you. Now notice this. Here's what I'm trying to get across too before we go on to the next thing and then close. Is this. A lot of times, we, we think we need more faith. You have what you need. You can grow strong in faith or weak in faith. You know, my friend, when he went into the gym, he didn't say, I have $18.12. How many muscles can I buy? No, he had everything he needed. He needed to learn to feed, exercise, and develop what he already had. It made him either stronger. How many of those faith and muscles are, are, are the same? They either grow or go. <laughs> Amen? So when you come here and your pastors maybe preach the same subject for the fourth time in four weeks... Guess what? Sit there with ears to hear and eyes to see. Because faith doesn't come by having heard. It comes by hearing. You've got the measure of faith. Even in 2 Peter 3 where it says, let me, let me see, 2, 2 Peter 1 verse 3, he says he's given you all things that pertain to life and godliness. But then right after that he says, and add unto your faith these things, patience, goodness, all this. He says, and godliness. He said, I need you to add those things to you. Not to qualify you, but to make you more effective to where you can receive the fullness in your life so you can truly experience the days of heaven upon earth. All I need you to do is cooperate with me. So why does he say you, it's not a faith issue? He said, it's a heart issue. You've got to say unto this sycamine tree, amen? 
But the biggest person that you need to forgive is yourself. I'm finding that out. When you forgive yourself, Psalms 103 verse 2 says, He forgiveth our iniquities, our transgressions, our wrongdoings, our rebellions, our sins. How many knows, you? how do you forgive yourself? I would advise you to go back there and get, I'm sure you have them here, in Christ or in him books and just start putting your name in there and all of a sudden the image that you see, when you look in the mirror, it's just a reflection of the image that you were created after. When you start saying who you are in Christ, I'm going to tell you something. You won't have that measure of shame, that measure of unforgiveness, or that measure of guilt, or that measure. You know what shame is? Shame isn't an event that the devil attaches to your identity. You could have done something really stupid at 16, and you truly repented at 16, but now you're 56, and 40 years later, you got this big hook hung on you that the devil says, it's shame, and that's what you did. But Jesus said, no, I bore the shame. I was pure plum naked in front of my mother and everyone else and I bore this shame so therefore I died to it you don't have to live with it amen we're trying to overcomplicate too many things in the scriptures and stuff so let me finish with this uh, Philippians chapter 2 verse 5 through 8 did anybody get anything out of this I, I kind of preached a little bit fast the biggest thing I want to bring out of this is this Quit trying to get what you've already got and quit trying to become somebody you already are. You're, look from the place of victory instead of always trying to get the healing, trying to get the victory. Say, well, I can't do it. I'm not perfect. You know, I don't know how these people can come up here and get all their healing and, and all this. And then I'll be blah, 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 blah. Stop. Get out of your soul and sit down and say, you know what? I'm going to bloom where I'm planted. And I'm gonna, that's what I did with my liver, the liver disease. And finally, my feet were turning brown and everything was happening. They said, you know, your organs and all that. And I, growing up, I, they, I had a lot of people in my family that was bald-headed and diabetic, so I thought, great, I'm going to be a bald-headed diabetic with a liver problem. That was the image I had. But you know, I got a Charles Capps book out called God's Creative Power, and I started saying what God already said about me. And I started saying it and saying it because I figured if he created my body, he constructed it, he can do the maintenance on it. I started doing that, and all of a sudden, my liver problem, my feet cleared up. My doctor, my liver doctor was like, my, Lord. they were just amazed. My liver doctor retired, but before he retired, he said, you know what, you're just one of those people. You can live to be 120, but it will never manifest in your life. Why? Because I believe the healing power of God's working in my body now to make me healthy in Jesus' name. Norval Hayes would walk around when I went to his Bible school. He would just walk around and say, I believe the healing power of God's working in my body now to make me healthy in Jesus' name. Is Brother Norval sick? No. That's why he's not sick. He's just saying what he already believes. He's not trying to get his healing. He already had it. He was just expressing out of his heart what God already revealed to him by revelation. And guess what it did? That's when God put the super up on the natural. That's when the water turns to wine. Philippians 2, 5 through 8. This is one of my favorite passages, and I'll close. I was shooting for five after. Is this okay? Praise the Lord. Oh, man. No wonder it didn't make sense. I am in Ephesians. I hope you all have gotten something out of this today. Listen to this. This is so good. Philippians 2, 5 through 8, Amplified Classic. Let this same attitude and purpose and humble mind be in you, which is in Christ Jesus. Let him be your example in humility. Now, humility doesn't mean you're beaten down and all that. It just simply says, 
I'm not going to think no more highly of myself than I ought to, but I also am not going to think no more lowly of myself than I ought to. I'm not going to, I don't have the measure of shame. I'm not going to let shame, it's going to go into an area where it won't grow back in my life. Nope, I've only got the measure of faith. And Romans 5, 5 says the love of God has been shed abroad in your heart by the Holy Ghost. So those two things you have already. Verse 6, who also essentially one with God in the form of God, possessing the fullness of the attributes which made God God, he did not think himself equal with God, was a thing to be eagerly grasped or retained. But he stripped himself of all the privileges of rightful dignity, so assumed the guise of a servant slave, and he became like man and was born a what? Human being. You go, God, do you understand what I'm going through? God, yeah, exactly. Exactly, I've been there, I've done that. Verse 8, and after he appeared in human form, he basically humbled himself still further and carried his obedience to the extreme death, even the death of the cross. Listen, healing is yours. You just got to activate it. And the only way I really know how to activate it is my tongue. My voice is my address in the spirit. If I don't speak, I lose by default. I've already won in Christ, but I want to live in the fullness of all the benefits before I go to heaven. I want to have days of heaven upon earth. That's why he said, speak the word only in Matthew 8, 8. He said, no greater faith than I found in all of Israel. Why? Because he said, when you speak, knowing that you have authority, it will manifest. This is not a bunch of do's and don'ts. This is not trying to get what you've already got and not trying to become somebody you already are. This is simply an expression from your heart confessing out of your mouth what you know and believe that Christ has already done for you. Quit trying to figure out how the black cow is eating green grass and giving white milk. Just enjoy it because the peanut butter and jelly sandwich is already there. Amen? Did y'all get anything out of this? I do altar calls backwards. I got one minute. Um, how, how, many, how many are born again in here? Raise your hand. Born again. Are you born again? What about in the sound booth? Everybody? Praise the Lord. What about back here? Are you all born again? Guy with a Hawaiian shirt? Are you born? Okay. Aloha. I heard you're not allowed to laugh in Hawaii out loud, but you're still allowed to do aloha. Amen? Okay. What about right here? Everybody born again? People said, this is peer pressure. No, it's not. You didn't come to church for chili. What about back here? Are you, are you born? Okay. What about over here? Pastor, you okay? All right, praise the Lord. All right. Here's all I want you to say. I can lay hands on you all day long. All I want you to repeat after me. This is not a mimic or a echo. I want to be your voice. Just say this. Say, Father, in Jesus' name, I freely receive what you freely gave. And I believe in my heart as I confess my mouth that the healing power of God is working in me now, in my soul, and in my physical body to make me whole. I thank you that I am living in the fullness of what you freely paid in full. In Jesus' name. It's that simple, folks. I didn't even know where my liver was, but I kept speaking to it. I quit trying to figure out how God was going to do the foot part thing. I thought, great, I'm turning brown amen nothing wrong with brown michael jackson at that time was turning white and i thought am i getting what he is losing amen i did i, I actually kind of said this is but i'm healed today and this stuff is real are y'all here what i'm saying my tongue controls my body 
I'm not saying it to my body to get it to happen. I'm saying it because I believe it in my heart that it's already happened. So I'm just expressing the goodness of God from my heart through words. Life and death is in the power of the tongues. You have what you say. Amen. Thank you, Pastor.